Welcome to another inspirational My Church podcast. We hope this message will bless and encourage you. To find out more about My Church, visit mychurchcanada.com. Why don't we go ahead and read this Proverbs 3, verse 5 to 8. This is what it says. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Hey, if you're taking notes this morning, you can go ahead. You can title this message, This Belongs to God. You can go ahead, write that down. This belongs to God. Why don't we pray, and we'll get into it this morning. Jesus, we thank you so much for who you are and We thank you for this first Sunday of 2020. Thank you for this first Sunday of this decade, really. And Lord, we have just so much expectation for what you're going to do here this morning. We have such a faith for it. And I just pray, God, right now that your spirit would just fill this place, that it would meet with every single one of us. And Jesus, that we would leave here differently than the way that we came in. And above all else, Lord, we pray that your name would be glorified here today. And everybody said, amen, amen. Well, hey, uh, Put your hand up if you've ever experienced a situation where your expectation did not meet the reality of the situation. That's like almost everybody here. Wow. Put your hand up if you never put your hand up for anything ever. Uh, <laughs> you know, I remember uh, the first time I met my wife, Victoria's parents, and uh, her, her parents are incredible people. They're amazing pastors living in Sweden. Victoria's born and raised in Sweden. They planted a church in Sweden. 20 years ago this year, which is pretty incredible. They're amazing, amazing people. Come on, that that deserves a round of applause. They're incredible. Um, You know, I remember the first time that I was ever going to meet them. Uh, Victoria and I, uh, we started dating when we went to Bible college in Sydney, Australia. We met there and we started dating. And, uh, you know, about a week after we started dating, Victoria informed me that her parents were going to be coming to visit. And I thought, well, they must just want to come and see how great of a guy I am, right? And so this is obvious. And I had a certain level of expectation as to how the meeting with her parents would go, you know. I expected to walk in and, like, own the room and, like, go up to her mom and give her a hug. Hey, mom, it's good to see you. And, you know, hey, dad, shake his hand. And, you know, if there's anybody that could replace you as the main man in Victoria's life, I mean, it's me, you know. And, uh, you know, I sort of had this expectation going into it. Um, but the reality uh, did not quite line up to the expectation that I had for this. I got to be honest because, you know, I, I remember uh, I was going, I was going to pick up Victoria's mom at Victoria's house and we were going to go and meet her dad and her brother for lunch somewhere. And so I got to Victoria's house and I walked in, you know, ready to just like make a good impression. And before I could say anything, Victoria's mom came up to me and she shook my hand and she said, I hope you like what you see because this is Victoria in 30 years. I mean... <laughs> What do I say to that, right? I can't say, yeah, I like what I see. I mean, how weird is that? I also can't say, no, I don't like what I see. So I just sort of sat there and didn't say anything. Fortunately, Victoria changed the conversation very quickly. Praise God for that. Uh, We got in the car. We were driving to lunch. I figured, you know, I struck out with mom. Maybe I can make an impression on that. And uh, I remember seeing Victoria's dad for the first time, and he walked up to me, and he said, oh, so you're the guy. And I'm like, yeah, I get it. Like, I'm the guy. And he shook my hand, and he, sh- he shook my hand so hard that he didn't have to say anything, but it was very clear that he was communicating who was in charge when it came to our relationship, okay? 
I mean, he sh- it was crazy. We started having lunch, and we were just hanging out. We were talking, and Victoria's dad, PJ, he likes to hunt. And he was telling me all about he likes to go, how he likes to go hunting in the northern parts of Sweden. And he was telling me that he has a, a gun cabinet at his house. This is true. He was telling me this. And he said, Luke, maybe there will be a day where you come to my house to pick up my daughter and take her on a date, and perhaps I'll be sitting on my front porch and I'll be polishing one of my rifles. I'm like, what are you getting at here? And then he, he leaned in and he said to me, and I'll be polishing that rifle until you drop her off at my home safe and sound. And I'm like, what are you saying to me? And then, for some reason, he, he told me that he thought I looked like Boy George, okay? And if you don't know who Boy George is, Google him. This was not the look that I was going for at the time, okay? Believe me. And it was kind of this, this sort of crazy experience where my reality did not line up to the expectation that I had whatsoever. Believe me uh, on that one. But, you know, so often the reality of our life doesn't line up to our expectation in life. You know, there's a lot of time in life where maybe you expect success, but you're met with the reality of failure. Maybe you expected to be healthy, but you're met with the reality of sickness. Maybe you expected to be married, but the reality is you're still single. Maybe you expected to be able to have kids in your life, but the reality is you've been trying and it just hasn't been working out the way that you thought it would be working out. And really, I think that it's in these moments in life when our reality does not reflect our expectations that we need to decide, am I going to try and take control and force this situation according to my own strength, or am I going to surrender control of this situation to God and understand that he is a plan and he is a purpose that is perhaps greater than what I even know? Am I going to lean on his strength? Am I going to give it to him. And I really believe that we need to declare over our lives, over every situation, over every circumstance that we may be fa- Thanks, man. Appreciate that. Over every circumstance that we may be facing, whatever it may be that's going on in our lives, I believe that we need to declare over this year, over this decade, that this belongs to God. Amen? This belongs to God. And, and I, I really think that uh, that if we do this, I really believe that it's going to change the way that we live our lives from here on out. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and tell them you got issues. Why don't you turn to your other neighbor and tell them you got serious issues, okay? Let them know. <laughs> hey, honestly, we've all got issues, don't we? Let's be real. We've all got issues, some of us more than others, that's another truth, but uh, we've all got issues, we've all got things that we're going through, we've all got things that we're struggling with, we've all got uh, all these different kinds of things that we're facing day after day. Sometimes maybe it's a small thing, other times it's this big, difficult, insurmountable thing that we're going through, but we need to remember, even in the face of all of our problems, even in the face of all of whatever these things are, we need to remember that God still has a promise for us. I love 2 Peter 1.4. It says, because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share in his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. You know, God is making a way forward for us. God loves us. He cares about us. The book of Matthew tells us that he will give us rest. In Romans, we learn that overwhelming victory is ours 
through Christ. And although we face problems in our lives, we need to make sure that we don't allow the problem to eclipse the promise. Instead, we need to look at our problems and our difficulties and whatever else might be going on in our lives, and we need to remember Romans 8.31. We, we need to just be, begin to declare over our situation, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, then who can be against us? This belongs to God. This situation belongs to God. This circumstance, the problem in front of me belongs to God. The sickness that's in my body, this belongs to God. The struggle, this belongs to God. When life just seems to be spiraling out of control and we don't know what's going on, we need to make a declaration that says this belongs to God. And we need to allow God and through faith to turn that setback that we're facing into a setup for him to move in a mighty and a powerful way in our lives. Praise God. Amen. Amen. You know, I love the verses in Proverbs that we read earlier, Proverbs 3, 5, it tells us to trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And you know, oftentimes we love reading this verse. We love uh, talking about it, all these kinds of things, but it's a whole other thing to actually live it out. It's easy to sit in church and say, yeah, I'm going to trust in God. It's a whole other thing to actually uh, get that into us and actually live that day after day after day. You know, sometimes we like to say, God, I'll trust you trust you with the little things maybe, <laughs> but the big things in my life, I'm just going to hold on to those for myself. I'm just going to make my own way. I'm just going to do it according to my own strength. It's a little bit easier for me to actually just do that. And we think if we can just take control, we'll actually be better off. But we actually need to trust God with all our hearts. We need to allow him to speak to us and, and work in all our hearts because all our hearts actually belong to God. And, and notice it also says to, that we need to trust God with all our hearts you know, this is another issue. Sometimes we, we just trust God with only our minds. And intellectually, we can make a decision that says, yes, I trust God. But it doesn't actually get in our spirit. It doesn't actually get in our soul. But we need to actually trust God and give him our heart. It's a whole different thing. We can talk about it all we want. But so often when all is said and done, more has been said than done. And we don't actually trust God with our hearts. We just intellectually have made a decision that we say, yeah, I guess I trust in God. But for every situation, we need to declare that this belongs to God. And we've got to cultivate this deep trust that comes from the bottom of our hearts, core to our very being. We need to develop this deep reliance, this settled confidence in who he is and on his word that this belongs to God. And I'm going to trust him with all my heart. You know, one of the most simple ways to do that is actually by reading his word, by reading scripture. You know, there are two ways that you can look at a window in life. Right, you can look at a window. You can notice all the little inconsistencies in a window. You can notice the panes of glass. Uh, you can notice perhaps the ripples in the glass, all of these kinds of things. But you can also look through a window and see the world beyond the window. And really, I think the same thing is true with Scripture. There's many times where I look at Scripture, where I will study it, I will read it, I will ask questions about it. I, 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 will, I will try and see what, what it's saying. But as we do this and we read scripture and we look at it, something really incredible happens. And all of a sudden, we start to see the world around us through scripture as well. 
And this changes everything. Because now we no longer are just looking at Scripture. and We're no longer just looking at the world around us. But actually we are seeing the world around us through the lens of Scripture. And this changes everything. It changes the way we look at people. It changes the way we look at our circumstance. It changes the way we look at our family. It changes the way we look at everything. All of a sudden, we can begin to declare this belongs to God because we actually have a great understanding that God is greater than whatever situation we may be facing. Proverb goes on to tell us to lean not on our own understanding. And again, this makes us so uncomfortable because as humans, we don't like things that we don't understand. We like to, again, stay in control. We like to understand what it is that we're we're going into. I recently heard a story about a guy who was an adrenaline junkie and um, you know, he's like a skydiver, mountain climber kind of guy. Would just like go after these these things that would just spike the adrenaline levels in him. And and the story is that he was going exploring in a cave with a, a seasoned guide. And they were going into this cave. The goal was to get to the inner parts, this wide open expanse, beautiful cave. Go exploring in there. But the only way to actually get into this cave was to go through a small tunnel. And so they started out, and they had to sort of crouch down and, and you know, crouch and, and walk through this, 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 uh, this tunnel. And, you know, at that point, I'm out, right? Like, I'm already, see you later, no thanks. Take a picture from me, okay? I'm sure it's great. But as they kept going, it got smaller and smaller and smaller. And so eventually, the guy had to get on his knees and crawl through the rock. And eventually, got smaller than that, and he had to actually lay down on his back and just inch himself along by moving his feet. And the cave was so, so small. And he had to just push himself along. Eventually, it got so much that he could only move each time he, he, he would inhale and shrink his stomach down. And he had to turn his head sideways, and he was pushing through. And this adrenaline junkie, all of a sudden, he lost it. He lost all control in that situation. He just started to see himself dying there in that cave. He didn't think he was going to make it through. He didn't know what he was going to do. He was freaking out, and he yelled out to the guide who had gone before him. He yelled out, man, I'm freaking out. I'm about to lose it. I'm not going to be able to make it. I'm not going to be able to get through. I'm not going to be able to get to the other side, all of these things. And the guide said, he said, hold on, hold on. Listen to my voice. Just listen to me. You're going to get through. I've been here before. I know that you can do this. You need to calm down. Don't listen to yourself, just listen to my voice. I think it's pretty amazing because in that situation, it wasn't the adrenaline junkie's understanding that was able to get him out of that. But it was actually by setting his mind on another voice, an outside voice with a greater perspective who is able to actually lead him through. And the same is true with us. If we try and just get through according to our own understanding, when we feel like life is squeezing around us, we don't know how we're going to get through. Our own understanding is going to let us down. But if we could set our mind on the voice of God, if we can say this belongs to God and listen to him, he is going to lead us through and get us through to the other side. And we can experience the wide open expanse that he has for us. But we need to be able to say this belongs to God. God sees the whole picture. This belongs to God. You know, in the book of Numbers, we read that the Israelites had just escaped slavery in Egypt. And uh, really, thanks to the, the power of God and the obedience of Moses, they were able to flee from the Egyptians. And, and they're on their way to the promised land. And they get to the promised land, and Moses is sending out some scouts into the land to scope it out, sort of 
develop a strategy for how they would go into that land. The problem with the promised land, of course, is that it was filled with all of these different groups of people that would have to be overcome in order for the Israelites to take possession and occupy that place. And so they sent out, Moses sent out 12 spies and they went and they, they scoped out the land and they came back and they reported this land is a paradise. It is exceedingly good. It is the land flowing with milk and honey. It is an incredible, incredible, incredible place. Only problem, it's filled with all these people. There's no way that we can beat these people. You should see them. We're like grasshoppers compared to them. They're like giants compared to us. There's no way that we can do this. Everybody said this except for two, Joshua and Caleb. And and I love reading about Caleb because we see that at this point, Caleb is 40 years old. But he stands up, Numbers 1330, said Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. You know, Caleb had this great faith that this belongs to God, that this is what God had promised, and he would be faithful to complete it. Caleb was up for the challenge. He was ready to do whatever it took and be obedient and follow God in the direction that God was leading. But the others didn't believe. And because of their unbelief, they had to spend 40 years wandering around in the wilderness. I don't know about you, but I want to have a faith that is a whole lot more like Caleb's faith when they came up against difficulty. I want to have an attitude that says, in Jesus' name, it can be done. This belongs to God. Every situation, I want to live my life from a place of victory, from a place of victory before the battle is even fought, knowing that God is with me, he goes before me, and this belongs to God. That's the kind of faith that I want to live my life according to. Then, 40 years later, Caleb's an older man now. He's in his 80s. He's been wandering around the desert. There's still a difficult road ahead, but as full of faith as ever. I love this. He says in Joshua 14, he says, so here I am today, 85 years old. How many people know that if you got a pulse, you got a purpose? Amen. Come on. He, he, God wasn't done with Caleb just yet. He's 85 years old. He hadn't checked out yet. Let that be a word for some people here this morning. Maybe you think your best days are behind you. Take a look at Caleb here, 85 years old, still as full of faith as ever, ready for what God had for him. 85. I'm still as strong today as the day that Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Verse 12, I love this. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. Give me the hill country. The hill country is difficult terrain to occupy. It's a difficult road to fight on. It's hard to navigate. But more often than not, it's the road to the promise. we got to navigate the hill country. And I think we need to remember that our circumstances are temporary, but the person that we're becoming is eternal. We need to remember that day after day after day. Whatever your situation, whatever the hill country might be that you're facing, why not make a declaration? Why not make a decision in your heart to say, this belongs to God. Give me the hill country. I got a faith that says it can be done. I got a faith that says whatever the struggle, whatever the mountain, whatever the difficulty, that God's going to see me through to the other side. And I want to encourage you this morning to make sure that we're actually trusting in God, not just believing in God, right? You know, there's a, there really is a big difference between trusting in God and actually just believing in God. And I was reminded of this. I heard a story 
a couple months ago. Uh, it's a great story. There was a man named um, Charles Blondin, and uh, he stretched a tightrope between the two sides of Niagara Falls, between the uh, American side and the Canadian side. He did this in September of 1860. And, you know, it was this daredevil. He was going across side to side, and he was doing all kinds of things. He was carrying stuff across, and um, it was absolutely crazy. He was riding a bike blindfolded across this thing. At one point, my favorite thing that he did is he carried a stove across and made himself an omelet, okay, on this tightrope over Niagara Falls. It's pretty crazy. But the crowds... Yeah, I don't know how it happened, okay? It's, uh, I don't know, look it up. <laughs> but one of the craziest things he did, he's going back and forth with this wheelbarrow. The crowds were cheering him on. They were going crazy. You, you're amazing. This is awesome. And he got to the one side, and he said, do you believe I can get back to the other side? You think I can get back? You believe it. And the crowd's going nuts. Yeah, we believe it. You can do it. And he said, then who wants to get in the wheelbarrow? Come on, the crowd believed he could do it, but they didn't trust in him. They didn't trust he could do it. There's a big difference between our belief and our trust. I think for some of us today, perhaps, it's time to get in the wheelbarrow. Come on, perhaps we need to step out in faith, get in the wheelbarrow, and actually put our trust in God. Maybe we've been believing in him for a long time, but maybe 2020 is the year where we actually start to trust in him, where we actually put our faith in him in a new way, where we actually say this belongs to God. Give me the hill country, whatever it may be. I'm going to go forward with faith into what's next. I think it's so powerful. You know, when the Israelites finally did cross over, into that promised land, they had to face a battle at Jericho. God told them to march around the city for seven days. On the seventh day, lift up a mighty shed of praise, and the walls would come falling down. You know, it's a weird battle strategy when we read it today, but I'm always amazed at the fact that for those six days, when they were marching around that city, that nothing was happening. It didn't look like anything was going on. I've always thought it would be awesome if like a brick, at least just a brick, popped out of the wall on day three or something, right? It would have been like, oh, this is, okay, God's with us here. But they were just going, and it didn't seem like anything was happening at all. And it's really hard to trust God in those moments when, we're, when we feel like we're doing what God has actually called us to do. But we don't feel like we're seeing any progress in our lives whatsoever. But just because you can't perceive it doesn't mean that God isn't working on your behalf in the background in ways that you don't even understand. You know that for five years after bamboo is planted, it looks on the outside like very little is actually happening. But under the surface, bamboo is establishing a deep and solid foundation and system of roots. And all of a sudden, after five years' time, the bamboo shoots up 90 feet in only six months. It's an incredible thing that happens. You know, when your daily life belongs to God, when every single day you wake up and say, this day belongs to God, this decision to be obedient belongs to God, this decision to just pray, this decision to read my Bible, this decision, this belongs to God. Although it might seem like very little is happening in your life, it's amazing how over time that builds and how you look back and you see what God has been doing in your life. And all of a sudden, the moment presents itself that God has been preparing you for all along. And you step into that moment in obedience. But the only way that you could is through going through that process for perhaps so many years. And everybody calls you an overnight success, but they didn't see the years and the years and the years of behind-the-scenes dedication and service and commitment and discipline and discipleship and growing and trying to be like Christ. We can't underestimate how powerful that actually is 
in our lives. Every single day we need to wake up, we need to say, this belongs to God. When things are going great, when things are a struggle, this belongs to God. And listen, whether you receive the promise on this side of eternity or the next, this still belongs to God, whatever it might be. And and please hear me correctly when I say that this belongs to God. That is not an excuse for inaction or laziness on our part, right? That actually doesn't mean that we just start to say, ah, whatever, this belongs to God, so I don't have to actually take any responsibility for my actions in life, right? Like, you know, you don't know how you're going to pay your bills. You can't just say this belongs to God because actually that debt belongs to you, okay? You can't just say, this is, that's not what this is at all. This is not just a reason for us to just do nothing in life. That, that's not what this is about whatsoever. It's not a, a cop-out to just be lazy. But what it means is actually that our actions line up with God's word. Our actions line up with God's direction. Our actions are working for the glory of God from a position of faith and not for the glory of us from a place of pride. There's a big difference here. But we actually take action. We step out in faith. We step out in obedience. We take responsibility and we declare this belongs to God. Come on. Amen. Amen. You know, last year, uh, 2018 actually, that's weird. (laughs) Not quite last year. Uh, in 2018, there was a man, uh, his name was Dennis McQuaggy, and he won the Nobel Peace Prize for his work in the Congo, uh, helping women who have been abused by armed rebels. And he's a doctor, and he's helped thousands upon thousands upon thousands of women performing surgeries, sometimes um, up to 18 hours a day performing surgeries on these women. And he is truly a hero. He is so deserving of the Nobel Peace Prize. But Dennis McQuaggy, along with being a doctor, is also a pastor. And I think it's, it's powerful because Dennis attended a Bible school in the Congo that was started by a Swedish missionary. This missionary left his life in Sweden, stepped out in faith, really, and went to the Congo to start this Bible school. In the first year of the Bible school operating, he had 12 17-year-old young men who went through the program and graduated. Major success absolutely powerful to see what happened. He was so proud. Uh, he was so uh, so thankful for what God had done in his life. But the government didn't feel the same way. Unfortunately, the government executed every single one of these 17-year-old young men, young men, a corrupt government that killed them right in front of this Swedish missionary who did this. The man became so traumatized at seeing this. He, he, he ran away, ran back to Sweden. It was so powerful that, you know, he lost all of his hair. Uh, it just fell out over the trauma that he faced. It was such a difficult situation, such a tough thing to actually navigate. He was there in, in Sweden, didn't know what to do, but in, in what can only be described as an incredible, incredible display of a give me the hill country, this belongs to God kind of faith. He returned to the Congo and he reestablished that Bible school. And as he reestablished it, his first student was a man named Dennis McQuaggy. And it's amazing because here is this future Nobel Peace Prize winner, and he is receiving this incredible education, this great foundation, this Bible foundation, a foundation of faith that would forever change his work, that would eventually go on to impact the lives of millions of people all across the world. And thank God that this Swedish missionary had a this belongs to God kind of faith to return and reestablish this Bible school. It's an incredible thing. Eventually, uh, years past, Dennis McQuaggy graduates from this Bible school program. After that, he went to medical school. 
And this uh, missionary, the Swedish missionary, he had a brother. And his brother also moved to the Congo, and he started a hospital there. And it's incredible because Dennis McQuaggy, upon finishing medical school, actually became a, a doctor at the hospital that was started by this man. And for years and years and years, these two men worked together, and they did incredible work in the Congo, and they saved many, many lives. They worked together for more than 30 years. It's amazing. And fast forward to the year 2018. Dennis McQuaggy is receiving the Nobel Peace Prize at a ceremony that always takes place in Stockholm, Sweden, surrounded by dignitaries and royalties, surrounded by leading scientists, surrounding, surrounded by all, uh, celebrities, all of these people. And he invites uh, this Swedish missionary to come and attend the dinner with him. It's a powerful, powerful thing. And the man attends the dinner with him, and, and they're there. And, of course, this man paid a really, really high price for building that hospital and being a missionary for so many years. It really put a strain on his family and you know, his daughter uh, really left the church, left faith. And it was so difficult for this man who felt like he had stepped out. And, you know, he was following, trying to be faithful and obedient to what God was saying. And, and his daughter, meanwhile, just left the faith. And it's amazing because Dennis McQuaggy stood up in front of uh, all of these people, royalty, dignitaries, all of these people. And, and he just spoke a word over this Swedish missionary. He, he said, you know, I have faith. I have faith in this next year that your daughter is going to come back to Jesus. I have faith that she is going to come back. I have faith that she is actually going to start asking the right questions again. An incredible display of faith. A this belongs to God kind of moment. Hey, man, even your daughter, your family, this still belongs to God. God still isn't done moving in your situation. It's an incredible, incredible thing. And, and what I love about this is that these two Swedish missionaries, you know, they're actually my wife's great uncles. And I've been able to sit down with them and I've talked to them, and, and, and I've seen the faithfulness, and, and I've seen the steadfastness that exists in their lives. It's an incredible thing. I mean, I, I hope that one day I, I can live my life with that kind of faith, with that kind of this belongs to God disposition. And it's amazing because uh, this man's daughter, he actually, she actually reached out to Victoria's mom, a pastor in Sweden, just a couple weeks after Dennis McQuaggy spoke that word over him. And she started asking questions about God. Praise God for these this belong to God kind of moments in life that impact people in such a powerful and an incredible way. I love it. I think it's amazing what happens when we would have a faith to say, this belongs to God every single step of the way. These weren't things that could just be overcome by human ambition or by working harder or by according to our own understanding. But the only way that it could happen is by submitting and surrendering and trusting in the name of Jesus. You know, this year, 2020, we're just at the beginning of this year. It's the first Sunday of this year. I really believe that this year belongs to God. For you as an individual, why not make that your declaration today? This year belongs to God. Every single day, this belongs to God. And get ready for all that God wants to do in you and through you this year. I really believe that for you as a church, my church, that this year belongs to God. I believe that this is going to be an incredible year for you as a church, a year where you do not go quietly into this future, but a year where you actually go forward, lifting up a mighty shout of praise, that you will see the walls and the, 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 the strongholds around people's lives come falling down in the name of Jesus, that this would be a banner year for you as a church, a year where you're able to serve people like never before, a year where you're able to love people like never before, a year where you're going 
going to grow in an unheard of way where people are going to understand what could possibly be happening. But you can just say, this belongs to God, and we got a faith. Give us the hill country, God. Whatever the challenge, we're up for it. Whatever the difficulty, we're going through it, and we're going to step forward into the promise that you have for us. Come on, for you as an individual this year, I don't know what you may be facing, but I want to encourage you, wake up every single day and say, this belongs to God. Whatever the situation, this belongs to God. The sickness belongs to God. The setback belongs to God. My family belongs to God. My house belongs to God. My job, this belongs to God. My calling belongs to God. My obedience, my, 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 every single step of the way, every single day, this belongs to God. Whatever the struggle, whatever the hardship, let's have a faith like Caleb that says, give us the hill country. God, what you started, I believe you're going to see it through to completion. I'm not going to allow the problem to eclipse the promise that you have for me, God. But this year, this belongs to God. And I believe that as we do this and as we stop just trying to force it according to our own strength and we give it up to God. You know, I really believe that as we trust in the Lord with all our heart, as we lead not on our own understanding, I really believe that he's going to make our path straight. And we're going to go into 2020, we're going to go into this decade following him with an understanding this belongs to God. I'm going to take action. I'm going to be obedient. And I really believe that, that the impact is going to be monumental, that it's going to make such a difference that as we live with this kind of faith that it's going to overflow out of us, that really the fruit of the Spirit is going to spread wherever it is that we go. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. It's just going to go every single where we are. We're going to be marked by a different spirit than that of the world. But we're going to be marked by and we're going to live according to the Holy Spirit who's working within us. Amen. Come on, if you believe it, why don't you lift up a shout of praise? Why don't you jump up to your feet? Hey, just in We hope this message blessed and encouraged you. To find out more about our church, visit mychurchcanada.com.